redeemed is a biblical term we don't use it much today but if you go to a pawn shop let's say you're behind and you go and pawn one of your guns uh, they give you a couple hundred dollars and they give you a, a, a piece of paper that said if you want to redeem or buy back your gun you're gonna have to give me the cash plus a little extra interest well how I many if you go in a pawn shop they've got some good stuff but there's usually a little section where they're just junk that I don't know why they took it but it just stays there and sometimes we may feel like we're just junk because we've done so many bad things because of the way we used to be. But can I tell you this? When Jesus goes through the pawn shop of humanity, he doesn't have any junk he's looking at. Come on. How many know he's looking at men and women created in the image of God that God has a great future for? And uh, we are redeemed because of what Christ has done for us. Give him a big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. And greet your neighbor, and you may be seated. Well, praise the Lord. Glad to have you this morning. One of the, we have lots of ministries that go on in our church, but one of, I think, one of the greatest ministries we have uh, that's influencing people is our youth and college ministry, junior high, high school, and, uh, and college age. And I found out the secret of the youth pastor's success. Pastor Travis, would you come up here, please? Come on up. I found out the secret just a few moments ago. Come on up here. Give him a big hand. He and his wife, Whitney, do a great job. Now, I need the camera to help me just a second. He showed me his socks. Would you just show us? Do you mind? Some, can you get the camera on this real good? These are Jesus socks. So I get you some. Yeah, I, I, that, would, I, would I preach better if I had them? Probably not. <laughs> Give them a big hand. They do a great job. I think it's more than the socks. Hey, great to have you this morning. I, I want you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. On a serious note, though, if you can get your kids in the house of God, something happens. If you can intertwine them in, in a Christian peer group, because school will be starting right around the corner. I mean, every kid, whether they're young, whether they're old, college age, we need people to influence us in the right direction. And uh, we have a philosophy about church. We have a good time while we serve the Lord. Kids have fun. But uh, I think it's one of the greatest parenting responsibilities is to get your kids in a strong local church. When I was young, the culture would support the Christian faith. We read the Bible. The principal would read the Bible when I was in first grade over the intercom, but no longer. And uh, it's our desire to have partnership with you to help not only you, but your family to become the people that God would have us to be. I've been doing a series, I started last week, called Supernatural. And supernatural, simply by nature, how I many know God is supernatural? It goes without saying. And supernatural, of course, beyond the influence of natural laws and processes. But the Bible would teach us that the God would also want the supernatural to be a part of our lives. Now, this word supernatural, in a bit of review, it's worth going back to take a peek at last week's message. But, but supernatural is, is not a term you find in the Bible. Now, you find evidence of the supernatural, but in no translation that I have that I could find the word... Supernatural came from a Latin word, 15th, 16th century, called supernalis. That was the time when, when reason was replacing faith. And a clear distinction began to be drawn around natural processes, natural laws, giving birth to naturalism, the idea that there is no God and nothing supernatural. But when the Bible looks at the concept of supernatural, certainly it includes extraordinary miracles, like Peter walking on water, but it also includes God's involvement in everyday life. How I many know when a person comes to Christ, when they're saved, how I many know that's supernatural? 
when you have an answered prayer. I hope that you pray every day. I pray every day. Uh, that's a, you're expecting the supernatural God to be involved in your lives. When you're making a decision, let's say you don't know what to do. You know, do you change jobs? Do you change locations? Do you get married? You're seeking the will of God. Well, guess what? When God reveals His will in some fashion, that's supernatural. That's more than just having read the Bible, but God Himself is involved in our lives. So that's what we're talking about. And again, the idea of supernatural, as we talked about last week, there's a continuum of, of belief, of philosophy, what supernatural means. On one side, there's people that don't believe in God. Uh, it's called naturalism. All of us were schooled in it in the last 50 years. Naturalism believes there is no God, and because there is no God, there's no supernatural. Everything has a natural cause. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, for those that believe in God, we have different views of the supernatural. A deist would believe that God was supernatural in creation, but like winding up an old alarm clock, he wound up the human race, put the laws and processes, and stepped back, and he's not involved any longer. Now, those that believe called cessationists, cessationists are Christians, Bible believers, who literally believe in God not only as a creator, but God did the miracles in the Bible, uh, Exodus, the Red Sea, all that. Uh, there's a movie coming out soon, Moses. All that's true according to the Bible. But the cessationists would believe that once the apostles died, or once the Bible was canonized or brought together, then miracles no longer happen. Now, the last category is what I am, what I hope you are, is a biblical literalist which literally means that I literally believe the Bible. If the Bible tells me, uh, uh, call unto me, Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, I believe that. I be literally believe Philippians 1, 6, he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion into the day of Jesus Christ. And if you're at a down spot in your Christian life, you don't feel like it's going anywhere, you don't feel like you can make it, you want to quit, Philippians 1, 6, he will complete his work. It brings faith in me. And somehow it's not just human energy that's moving me along, but the supernatural God is a part of my life. But my faith is in his word. My faith is in his promise. Now this morning, I want to begin a couple messages about opening the door of the supernatural. Uh, the supernatural is not just some weird thing that you see on TV periodically, but God wants to be involved in our lives. And this morning, uh, uh, probably the most foundational message is the, the, that faith, faith opens the door of the supernatural. Now our text for the morning, Hebrews eleven six, and I want you to say this out loud with me. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must, number one, believe He exists, and number two, believe that He rewards those who seek Him, who diligently seek Him. So our faith, faith is literally a belief by definition. And let's kind of start here. Let me define what faith is. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what Jesus said, but I want to spend most of my message this morning talking about a man named Abraham. Abraham, an Old Testament figure in Genesis, uh, but we're going to look at him in a New Testament passage of Romans chapter 4 as an example of faith. Because the real question is, how do I have faith? How do I have faith so I might see God's involvement in my life on an ongoing basis? Well, I want to help you this morning as we talk about opening the door, part one, uh, through faith. Faith, simple definition, everybody knows this. Faith means to trust in or rely on God. It means to be persuaded that God's Word is true. Now, that's a big one. But here's the definition that, that it speaks to me. Faith believes God can and God will. Faith believes God can. In other words, there's a difficult circumstance, a problem, a need. God can and God will. God can and God will. Uh, you have faith every day. Whether you're a believer or not, everybody has faith. When you got in your car, how many drove a car to church this morning? Let me see your hand. Yeah. 
rest of you, walk, rode your horse. Uh, when you got in your car and you turned the ignition, what did you expect to happen? You expect the car to turn on. Some of you were in such a hurry that you were putting it in gear before it turned on. I mean, you were like doing both hands there because you had an expectation every time you turn the switch, it's supposed to turn on. And if it doesn't turn on, something's wrong. Well, faith is, is just like that. Faith in God, faith in, and listen, now, a promise from God. I don't mean just a wish list. You can't just, you know, faith is not, you know, the magic Aladdin's lamp that if you rub it hard enough in the right direction, out pops God. Faith, the object of our faith and the, and the reason for our faith is pretty important, and I'll, I'll explore that with you. But uh, Acts chapter 14, it will show us that faith can open the door to the supernatural. Acts 14 verse 8, it's about Peter, or Paul rather, in the city of Lystra, there was sitting a man who'd never walked. Now, I mean, that's a great problem. Verse 9, Paul looked directly at him, and Paul had faith to be his healer. Is that what it says? No. Paul looked at him, and Paul said, say it with me. He had faith, he had faith to be healed. Now, that's an important distinction. This man had biblical faith to believe that when a, when, when a Christian leader, when a Christian prayed for him, he had faith to believe that God would do something supernatural. It literally happened, verse 10, stand up on your feet. The man jumped up and he began to walk. Now that's an extraordinary miracle. But I want you to see is that his faith was central in it. He didn't just, you know, stand in a prayer line and let somebody else pray. You know, this is not a television evangelist kind of thing. But this, this, is, this is a genuine man who had faith in his heart to believe that God would do a miracle. See, faith in God's word is an invitation for God to act. Let me say it again. Faith in God's Word and God's promise is an invitation for God to act. In my early days, when I was in my early 20s in the Navy, I didn't really understand how faith worked. I was, I was, I, I was a believer in faith. I mean, I read books, I read, listened to tapes and all those things. But I thought faith was kind of like a lever. That, you know, your kid goes in Albertsons and they say, Hey, mommy, 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 you know, I want the candy, I want the spider ring. And they put their quarter in and they turn it. When they turn the lever, they're expecting, when they pull the lever, you're expecting something to come out. In other words, if you just have enough faith, if you have strong enough faith, you're going to twist God's arm and God's going to do something. That's not what biblical faith is. And let me tell you how I learned this. It's kind of a, it's humorous, it's sad, but it was uh, not funny at the time. I was in my early 20s and I was in Japan and I thought I had met the woman of my dreams. That's not my current wife, Okay. I thought I'd met the woman of my dreams. I was in Alaska, and, you know, I left there, and I went back to, uh, I went back to California. And then I was in Japan, and uh, she, all of a sudden she just quit communicating with me. Now, that's a very difficult thing, okay? We didn't have Facebook back then, but she wouldn't write letters. She wouldn't return my calls or anything. And I was just convinced that this was supposed to be the woman that I was supposed to marry. So I just started believing God. I mean, I would, if I can use it, this expression, I was rubbing that lamp as hard as I knew how. I did everything I knew how to do, and I just prayed and believed. I I even put a date on it. I said, all right, I'm going to believe by whatever the date was, you know, Friday the 15th, that I'm going to get a letter from her and bless God, I have strong biblical faith. Well, guess what happened on Friday the 15th? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I, I, the postmaster came, you know, and I went by and, and got my mail. There was nothing there. But I still kept my faith. Don't, not, don't laugh now. I literally believed there was going to be a letter on my bed. She was cute. <laughs> And I got in my bedroom, and there was no letter. I, I don't laugh. I even looked under my pillow. I had faith. But I can remember it like it was yesterday. When, that, when I got there, there was nothing under that pillow. I sat on my bed, and I just gave up on God. 
Because I felt God had let me down. Now, how many know when you feel like God let you down? That's a problem. And I backslid. Now, I didn't go into the clubs. I just, I was really going to get even with God. I was really going to punish God. I quit going to church and reading my Bible for about two weeks. And then I realized that there's nothing there either. Now, let me tell you what I learned faith to be. Faith is more like a drawbridge. Remember our scripture, without faith, it's impossible to please him. It, it, remember the old castles, the ancient castles, and the moat around the castle, and they would lower the bridge, you know, over the alligators in the water, and then people would come across the bridge. Well, faith is an invitation for God to act. Faith is not a lever that forces God to act, and we don't always understand why. I am grateful beyond words today that God didn't answer my faith, come on, and have that girl correspond with me, because God knew that there was something better down the road. Come on, there's good, better, best, and he knew that the perfect wife for me was my wife, Linnell. I didn't know that. All I knew was this was what I wanted, and I thought faith was the way to get it, and it was a misdirected faith. Well, anyway, biblical faith is an invitation for God to act, and Jesus said it's essential for supernatural living. John chapter 9, verse 27, there were two blind men, and Jesus asked them, pretty big question, do you believe I can make you see? Now, if you've been schooled in kind of a cessationist thinking that that was then and that can't be now, let's not say that they're two blind men. How about it's you and you don't have a job? Do you believe God can give you a job? How about if you're a single person and you know you've cried, there's just nobody in Texarkana for me and I look on Facebook and Instagram and there's nobody for me. Do you believe that God can bring the right man or woman in your life? How about if your kids are starting to get a little crazy and they're slipping, they're getting older and, and, and you're realizing you're about, do you believe that God can turn your kids back to him and back to you? So, so could we listen to this question? Because again, the supernatural is not just the extraordinary miracle. The supernatural is the involvement of God in our life. Come on, on an ongoing basis. Well, do you believe I can do it? And the response was, yes. Let's say you're in a financial pickle in your home. I mean, it is bad, 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 bad. And all you don't know what you're going to do. And you look at your spouse and say, do we believe that God can do for us what he did with that 28-year-old woman on the testimony this morning? Come on. I mean, no, if you're a mom with three kids and a $161 welfare check, you're not going to have much of a life. Unless you believe that God can help you, come on, and work with you as you go through life and take what's down and cause it to be up. Well, they said, yes, we believe. Jesus touched their eyes. And notice what he said. Because I'm the son of God, it's going to happen. No, what does it say? He touched their eyes and said, because of your faith. Because of your faith, this supernatural event, it'll happen in your life. So that's a little background. Faith opens the door for the supernatural. Now let's look at a man named Abraham. We'll spend the next 20 minutes together. Abraham, the father of faith. Now in this series on the supernatural, I literally could have spent seven weeks on Abraham. We could spend seven weeks on this idea of faith. But this morning, I want to look at one indicator that faith opens the door. Now, I'm going to give you a lots of nuggets this morning. This is one worth writing down, going back, listening to, downloading the notes. But we're going to say a lot of things more than just faith about how Abraham was able to receive this great miracle. Now, Abraham, the story line is this. He's minding his own business. He's 75. His wife is 65. And uh, all of a sudden, God shows up and said, I'm going to use you to change the world. And I'm going to make you what's called the father of faith. In other words, the example, the epitome of faith. I'm going to use you, Abraham, to do this. And you're going to have a son in your old age. Now, how many know when you're 75, when your wife's 65, she's probably not real anxious to have a baby. Come on, all the women said. But in this particular case, she'd never had a child. 
And if you've ever been a, one with an empty womb, come on, you know that gal will do anything to get that baby. So he's 75 years of age. God puts his hand on his life. And the next 25 years are a journey of him becoming the father of faith. In this journey, he blew it big time. One time he decided he would help God. So he had a baby through, through Hagar, uh, his wife's slave, and she became pregnant. And that's why we have the conflict today over in the Middle East between the Jews and the Arabs. Come on. Part of it is because of this split in this, the, the, the seed of Abraham. You know, Muslims even look to Abraham as a part of their religion. But Isaac was the promised child, and of course he was the Jewish child. Well, anyway, Romans chapter 4. With that background, in Romans 4... Romans is talking about uh, faith being crucial or essential for salvation. That is, how we receive uh, Christ, how we walk with God, how we find God's righteousness is through faith. So in this passage, though, you're going to learn a lot about the practice of faith for the supernatural. He said, this is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise, God's promise, might rest on grace and guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, the Jews, but also to everyone who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So Abraham is our example. Now let's look at verse 17, and we're going to read it. It's a lot there, and then we'll, we'll kind of walk through it. As it is written, and now there's, he's quoting from, uh, from Genesis 17. As it is written, God said this to Abraham when he's 99. Now, he's waited from 75, the promise, 24 years, nothing's happening. But then the scripture says, I, God, have made you the father of many nations. In other words, this is something I've already done. I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead, and notice, calls into existence the things that don't exist. So let me walk through this, and I'm going to give you what's called some faith lessons to help you as we learn from this. Now, the first thing in that passage, I've made you the father of many nations. God saw Abraham's future as a reality before it happened. Let me say it again. God saw Abraham as a father when he still didn't have a child. God looked at him and said, I have made you a father. It's very important. He didn't say, I'm going to make you a father when the baby's born. He said, I've made you a father right now. And his wife is not even pregnant. Now, faith sees what hadn't happened yet. Faith sees things that hadn't happened yet. Um, God spoke it before it ever came to pass, but Abraham had to believe it before it happened. Let me say it again. Abraham had to believe it before it happened, and that's what we call faith. Now, in the same way, and this is important because God made a promise to him. God, you know, faith is not just, I want that girl, I want that girl, I want that girl. Faith needs to be anchored in a promise. Now, granted, we pray for things all the time. We pray for daily bread. We pray for health. We pray for protection. But, and that's clearly taught in the Bible. But when you can anchor your faith to a specific word of God, let me tell you what, you've just escalated a notch in terms of the supernatural in your life. I have made you a father of many nations. His faith was anchored in a promise. And similarly, when we anchor our faith in a promise from God, when we see what's not there and believe it, then faith will guarantee the supernatural in our life. You see, when God's told you he's going to do something for you, then you have to have faith until it happens. Are you with me this morning? Now, look at verse 17. Um, God calls into existence the things that don't exist. The Bible teaches in Genesis 1-1 that God created everything in the known world out of nothing. 
Well, you'd say that's impossible because you have to have something to get something, but not with God. God, it, before His creation, it just was not. I'm lost in Genesis 1.1. When you say, in the beginning, God, you lose me. Because God, the Scripture teaches, had no beginning and no end. And everything I know has beginning and end, and it's bound by some time-space continuum. God lives outside that realm, and God can bring something out of nothing. He called into existence things that don't exist. Now listen, friend, God has the power to change what is. God has the power to change what is. Now, God's power, as the chemist understood how combining different elements can produce an antibiotic to kill a bacteria, God still is behind that loop. But God, listen, God has the power to change a broken marriage. God has the power to take someone who is in a ditch, come on, and help them get out of the ditch. And this is where faith begins. Faith must believe that God is able. See, faith is the substance of what we hope for. Faith is the evidence of what we cannot see. Let's, uh, let's read further. See, faith believes he can and he will. Faith sees it and says it. Faith sees it and faith will speak it. We'll talk more about that. Now look at verse 18. You're getting quiet on me. All we're doing is reading through the Bible. But it's difficult for us because we're so either bound by this world of naturalism through education and everything that's taught us, or we've had a bad experience with God. You have been sitting on the bed with me, come on, wondering where the letter was when it didn't show up. How many have been there? Well, sure. Every honest Christian has. I mean, listen, if you believe that your faith is sovereign and your grandma died and she wasn't supposed to die, you got nowhere to go. If you believe the only reason... The grandma died is because you didn't have enough faith. You've got a real problem. And a lot of us have run into real hardship because we've been exposed to a theology that basically said if you rub the lamp hard enough and long enough and in the right direction with the right compound, come on, That's right. That's right. then it'll happen every time. And friends, it, it doesn't happen every time and we don't have any place to go. But when faith is a drawbridge that welcomes God, listen, I can still have faith in Him, come on, because He's sovereign. And if for whatever reason, I don't have to have a reason why something didn't happen. Listen, I can get up the next day and say, I still believe God. I still believe God. Look at verse 18. In hope, he believed against hope. Now, this is not hope, Arkansas. But hope, hope is kind of like faith. They're, they're, they're cousins. They're like two, your two fingers. They're so close, you, you, know, you can't even tell that much difference between them. Hope means to wait with confidence for a favorable outcome. One translation says he hoped when there was no hope. Now, you've got to hear this. Here's this guy now. He's 99 years of age. His wife is 89. Come on, 89-year-old women don't have babies. And all the gals said, Amen. But Sarah did. But he's still hoping simply because God said it. Now, you got to stay with me on this one. In hope, he believed that he should become the father of many nations. And this next phrase, you need to circle it. And I want you to say it with me. As he had been told. Say that again. As he had been told. By who? By God. So God made him a promise. And this is where you need to anchor your, promise, your, your faith in the word of God. 
You see, when, when, the, when, when it, it's either a scripture the Holy Spirit makes real to you, it could be a prophecy, it could be a vision, uh, you may just be praying about what to do with your life. You know, I remember before we came to, to this church, we were in Palestine, Texas, uh, we came and preached, and I went back seeking the will of God. I was praying in a, a rail yard where there were parked rail cars. I remember it to this day, you know, I didn't see a financial statement, I just knew the church was in trouble, and I'm walking around, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, you're supposed to go. So listen, when I, and that was the second time, the first time when I drove here to preach for the first time across Highway 155 out of Linden, just as I'm just praying and I feel the Lord says, I want you to go to that church. So two times in a subjective fashion, I sense the Lord telling me I'm supposed to go here. Well, for the next seven, eight or 10 years, all the difficulties and problems we endured, listen, I would look back to that promise God made me. Come on. And God didn't bring me here to destroy my life. Come on. God brought me here to be able to have a relationship with you, but together for us to cause the church to rise and see something great done in the city and the world. But faith anchors itself. I remember when my, my, my wife uh, was diagnosed with cancer. I can tell you this, the first 10 days were the most troubling days of our whole life. We didn't know what doctor to go to. We didn't know why, you know, why is this happening? Uh, our, our, our teenage daughter, her response was to withdraw. Later she wrote, uh, she wrote a little blog and she said, uh, I, I, just did, I asked God why he let this happen to my mom. My mom's the godliest person that I know, uh, blah, 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 blah. So she just feels, she's having a faith crisis. And listen, faith crises happen, but I can tell you this. As I was just trying to quote, sometimes we don't figure it out. Sometimes we got to faith it out. And we just said, you know what, we're going to, every day we're going to get up and we're going to believe God. I'm reading my Bible one day and I'm reading an old, obscure Old Testament passage about David. I wasn't looking in a concordance for a promise for her healing. I was just reading the Bible every day like I always do. And there was a passage that I read that day. And in that passage, it was talking about, it was talking about to David waiting for news to come back from the battle. And these three simple words came out when the, when the runner came back and told David, all is well. It's as if the Holy Spirit jumped off that page. And I knew that God was speaking to me. So the whole process for 18 months, all I knew was all is well and God's hand is on this thing. And now I've got an anchor to hold my faith to. That's a difference than rubbing Jeannie's lamp for, come on, a dental technician. Now look, I'd have had probably clean teeth if I'd have married that other girl, but I wouldn't have had a preacher's wife. I think I'm getting through to some of you. We all, every day, have faith for our needs. It's biblical. It's biblical to pray, give me daily bread. It's biblical to pray for provision, for protection. But, but, but it's a higher level of faith when there's a specific promise relating to a situation in your life that you're going to be the father of a multitude, Abraham. And that's something to anchor myself to. Uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's keep, keep, keep going this morning. Hope will keep on believing when reason, facts, and experience say it's impossible. Now, hear the Christian. Well, how can you say that? I mean, you've got the best doctor's report. You've got blah, blah, blah. You've got your bank account right in front of you. How can hope keep believing in spite of the reason and the facts? It's simply because God is supernatural and God can make the impossible possible. Let me say it again. Let me wipe away 50 years of naturalism of the lie that says there is no God and God can't do anything and it's hopeless. Let me, if I can today, just blow the dust off your vast experience where you were disappointed. And if you can move from the genie to the drawbridge today and believe afresh that God is still supernatural, come on. And my faith is an invitation for God because without faith it is 
Come on, it didn't say it's hard to please God. It is impossible to please him apart from our faith. And that's what Abraham told us. Listen, I want to read you a a scripture. I'm going to read four different scriptures in in the remaining part of the message that are all scriptures from a story where a daddy came to Jesus. First, he came to the disciples to heal a child from epilepsy or seizures. And then he came to to Jesus and he said, hey, my kid is going to die here. Can you help him? Let me read you one of these scriptures. Mark 9, 23 Jesus said to the dad, because the dad said, if you can do something. And Jesus said, if you can, I want you to say this last one with me. All things are possible for the one who went to Bible college. All things are possible for the elder in the church because he's spiritual. What does it say? All things are possible for who? Could you punch your neighbor and say, you're the one? See, God is supernatural. And you say, well, I know, but I rubbed that lamp a while back and nothing happened. Yeah, well, rub it again. I mean, don't let your yesterdays define your tomorrows. I'm going to get through to the rest of you. Look at verse 19. Now, this is a big scripture. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. He was about 100 or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's, uh, Sarah's womb. Now, this is a quote from Genesis 18, 11. Abraham and Sarah, very old, and Sarah was past the ch- ch- age of childbearing. Leave that up a second and see that word, past the age of childbearing? That's a fact. But can I tell you this? You can face the facts because God is supernatural and God can rewrite the rules. See, the facts say she's past the age of childbearing. And this whole little, this, this, this worldview of naturalism, there is no God, there is no supernatural, everything can be explained by natural cause and natural reason. And if the doctor, if the lawyer, if the banker, if the, if the, if the counselor, if they're smart enough and have enough degrees behind their name, been doing this long enough, they know the facts, and you can't just do anything outside the facts. Isn't that the way we believe? Listen, Jesus told a fisherman who'd fished all his life, I want you to go down and catch this fish, and there's going to be gold in that fish's mouth. Come on, and then pay your tax dollars. You say, well, that's impossible. Come on. I've found hooks in fish's mouth, but you just don't find gold in fish's mouth. Well, you do if God puts it there. So there just needs to be this some childlike faith. Maybe that's why Jesus uh, encouraged us to have childlike faith, because there's something that God causes us to believe that God can and God could and God will. Can somebody give me an amen now? But look at this, when he considered his own body. Let me give you a faith lesson. Faith faces the facts, but believes God's word anyway. Faith does not pretend facts aren't real or true. Faith believes God, that that God can alter the facts. There are some streams of teaching, for example, in biblical healing, they would say, oh, I've, I've walked up to people in my past and said, man, I just don't feel good today. My, I got a fever of 100 and whatever, 101. And they'd say, oh, don't say that. No, 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 you're not sick. You're, you're healed. No, no, wait just a second. First, I am sick, okay? But I do believe God can heal me. Faith is not a denial of what is. Come on. Sarah is an 89-year-old woman, and 89-year-old women don't have babies. But God. But God. But God. That'd be a good title for a message. But God. See, God. And and what we have to worry about is we have to be careful. Listen, the doubt doesn't come in our world. This is the hard thing. Remember when Abraham doubted and he decided he's going to help God, so he gave birth to Ishmael? 
And Ishmael virtually destroyed. I mean, it, it all was crumbling. See, if you don't stop your doubt, doubt is like taking water and pouring it on your grill. Now, I don't mean a little squirt to get the fire to die down. I mean taking a five-gallon bucket and pouring five gallons of water on your charcoal. Listen, you are going to be eating chicken sushi, okay? And you know that's not good. If you pour water, that's what doubt does. Doubt destroys faith. See, Abraham had it. Genesis 17, 17, Abraham fell on his face and did what? He laughed and said to himself, Shall Sarah, who's 90 years old, bear a child? So even the father of faith had trouble with what I'm telling you this morning. That's why you're looking at me like a cow staring at a new gate. You're just kind of going, what's he talking about? That doesn't make sense. That's not logical. That's not real. I'm just telling you, friends, faith is a drawbridge that believes God can and God will, and it gives him the right to come across. Come on, give the Lord a good hand here. Let me wrap up. Look at verse 20. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. In other words, his doubt was here, and somehow he was able to say, my faith is going to be on top of my doubt. I have unbelief. Sure, I do. But my faith is going to get over, over my unbelief. You say, well, how does that happen? Here's a key right here. This is a gem. He grew strong in his faith. One translation says, his faith filled him with power. And I say this next phrase with me. As he gave glory to God. What does that mean? His praise helped his faith get stronger. He praised God in the middle of his troubles, fully convinced that God was able to do what, 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 what he planned. Faith is made stronger by praise. I want you to hear me, friend. Faith needs a voice. Unbelief has a voice. And you don't think anybody hears you. You're in your home, you and your spouse. Listen, you love each other. You're both Christian people, but you've got some real financial problems. And the door is shut. You're in the bedroom. You're walking around the bedroom. You're kind of upset. You've got some bills. Unexpected things come in. Come on, you've got teenagers. And how many know if you've got teenagers, you know you're going to be broke. <laughs> I mean, I mean you, just, you just got pressures and you walk around the room and here's how you're talking to one another. Well, I just don't see how we're going to make it. Yeah, me neither. Um. I, I, I guess we're going to have to move in with your mother. Oh, no, we're not. <laughs> but it's like, honey, I, I, just, I, just, I just feel like quitting. I just don't think I can go forward anymore. I, I, just, I, just, don't, I, just, I just don't think it's going to work any longer. I don't, I, the Bible's not played out for us. You know, I think that's, I mean, uh, it's not working. It's your fault. What do you mean it's my fault? Well, I married you and you didn't have a degree. Come on. I married you and, and, and you said you were going to take care of me. You're not taking care of me. And that's your whole conversation. What if somebody just said this? Yeah, but. Doesn't Matthew 6, say, If we'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that God will take care of us, that he'll give us food, that he'll give us shelter, that he'll give us clothes. Now, God may not pay for your bass boat. Come on. Now, he'll pay for your duck boat, but he may not pay for your bass boat. But all of a sudden, it stops when your words stop because your words are containers for your faith. Now, listen, for some of you, I'm bringing up some memories here. They may be good or bad, but it's the Bible. His faith grew stronger. Come on. His faith grew stronger as he gave glory to God. And simply by beginning to speak God's word in the situation. Listen, I know we're in trouble right now, but God promised he'd take care of us. That scripture in Malachi, listen, it, that, that if we would honor God with our wealth, that God would care for us. Honey, it hadn't happened yet, but I believe it's going to happen. 
Well, maybe it can happen. Could we just pray right now, come on, and ask God to lead us to a better job? Could we just pray right now that the money that's owed us is going to come back in? And all of a sudden, what was down and negative and doubt and unbelief, all of a sudden a door has been opened, there's a little faith in it, and it's coming out of your mouth, and your ears hear it, and you actually believe it. Boo, I'm preaching way better than you're amening. I'm going to quit. Spiritual power can be released by a confession of your faith in God's Word. Not, not just the genie's lamp now, but when there's a promise from God and God has spoken to you. Let me go back to the story, and I'm going to wind up with this. I'm going to give you three short scriptures, all from the story about the guy. You remember his son, his seizures, the disciples can't help him. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20. Jesus said to the disciples, because they asked him, why couldn't we cast it out? He said, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will. Now, how many know if you say something, that's speaking? That you're going to speak something to this impossibility. Move, get out of my way, and it's going to move. And what did Jesus say? Nothing. Well, it's on the screen. Anyway, Jesus said, nothing will be impossible for you. Now, that's not some preacher on television asking you to give him something. Come on now. That's your friend up here telling you every week that the Scripture says, Jesus Christ said that nothing will be impossible for you, that there is power in your words, come on, that when you're in agreement with what God's trying to do, when you link yourself up with God's promise and a purpose or a mission for what God's doing, you've got it there, friend. Let me close with this. If faith opens the door, then unbelief will close the door. If faith opens the door of the supernatural, unbelief will close it. Back to that child. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 17. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus said to him, Because of your, because of your little faith. Isn't that in your Bible? When a group of disciples that were trying to help somebody and couldn't do anything about it, Jesus said, It's because of your little faith. Now, faith doesn't guarantee you a miracle. But I'll tell you this, friend. If you don't have faith, I can pretty much guarantee you a miracle won't happen. Let's close with this one. Mark 9, 22. Same story. Jesus is talking to the dad now. And the dad said, if you can do anything. That man said, the daddy said, if you can do anything. Imagine now, if you had a, a child. I forget the age of the child, but you have a child, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And this child's having uncontrollable seizures and you cannot do anything about it. And there's a spirit behind this particular case. And this spirit is throwing this child in the fire. Trying to get him to commit suicide. Throw him in the fire, throw him in the water. And he said, Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Now, listen to this next verse. Here's where we'll close. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Now, isn't that something powerful? <laughs> I believe, Lord, but I want you to help my unbelief. Because the facts and my helplessness and experience and reason and my lack have all told me it's impossible and it's about to knock me over. It's like trying to stand up in a tornado. Jesus, would you help me stand up? Would you help me be strong? Would you help my unbelief? How many would say, that would be a good, good way to close this morning, Pastor. That I want God to help my unbelief. That I want God to help me be a strong person of faith. That I want God to help me have discernment to be able to know what His promise and word and will is. And I want to have the courage to keep going. And I want to have the good spiritual sense to speak life rather than speak death. Come on, stand to your feet. And let, me, let me pray for you this morning. Praise you, Lord, today. Lord Jesus, we love you today. Come on, just slip your hands to heaven. Say, Lord, I love you. 
before we go home, I'm going to just pray the Holy Spirit would just settle this thing tonight, this morning. Lord, we just welcome your presence today. We've looked in the Bible for the last 35, 40 minutes, and we've simply seen that faith opens a door of the supernatural. Lord, we're going to ask you today, just like that daddy did when he was in a crisis, help our unbelief. Would you just pray that right now? Just reach out to heaven and say, Lord, help my unbelief. Don't let me... I don't want to be foolish. I want to face the facts like Abraham did. But at the same time, I want to see you above the facts. Whatever the report says, whatever the the facts are, I simply want to, in my heart, say, but God. And Lord, I want to ask you to help me to be able to lower that drawbridge of faith and to be able to have the courage to take a chance and risk to believe that God is able and to believe the little words of Christ today. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come on us right now. Let your Holy Spirit just rest on us. Let us be able to see clearly. Blow the fog away so that we can chart the course that's going to please God. I want you to pray right now and say, Lord, would you help me when I'm in a crisis to get a promise from God? Many of you are in a crisis right now. Would you just pray that? Would you say, Lord, would you, would you give me a clear word? Would you give me great confirmation of your will and your purpose and your plan? So I know exactly how to believe. I don't want to frantically rub Aladdin's lamp. I want to have confidence in the now living Word of God. And I want to have the courage to go forwards with it. I want to do like Abraham and look at my aged wife and look at my own uh, old body and say, but God can do the impossible. Help Holy Spirit do it. Help Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And we're going to close with the last little personal call for prayer here. Maybe something in this message really resonated with you and, and you want to you seal that with somebody. You feel the need to come to the altar. See, it's not the person that's here. When you come to the altar, what you're doing is you're coming to God. And God's just being represented. His partner, his buddy, his friend is a man or a woman that simply want to join with you in their faith. But maybe, maybe you need a miracle in your life. And maybe there's something in someone that you love and care about that really needs God. This is be a great time. Maybe you struggle with, with, with faith. Maybe you're like me, you know, you're sitting on that bed as a young man wondering why the genie didn't show up and you just kind of shut you down. I know a lot of godly, well-meaning Christians, but they've just lost their faith because of disappointment. I don't know what it may be, but anything that resonates with you, you want prayer, let us pray for you. Most important thing I'd like to pray for this morning is if you're here and say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Christ. I've gone my own way long enough, and and today's a defining spiritual moment for me. I've sensed God's presence in these services, and I I want to give my life to Jesus. You're not joining a church, but but, but we want to point you to Christ. We want to pray with you as you commit your life to Jesus. You may need the forgiveness of sins. You, You may be carrying the shame and guilt of the world. Jesus can forgive you and give you a brand new start. So, my friend, if that's you this morning, you feel being drawn to God, I want you to come let us pray for you in a minute. Maybe you used to walk with God in the past and you just got away. Don't know how it happened, but you want to commit your life afresh to God. Let us pray with you this morning. Whatever it may be, our prayer team is going to come out of there, come from the altar right now. They're going to just stand up front. And I want to encourage you to just slip out of your chair with them as they come. You're coming for prayer. You're coming to get your life right with God. You're coming to make a step with Jesus. You come, let us pray for you this morning. We're going to sing this song through one time and then dismiss. I love you very much. It's great to see you. Come, let us pray.